We're about to launch into a new time. This is a awesome time. We want to celebrate today, as we've already talked about, Pentecost Sunday. What is it all about? What, what, what do I need to know about it? What, 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 when did it start? What, what, what does God want to do in me now? I'm telling you, God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and He does not want you to be powerless. Can I get an amen? Amen. So you're there in the the book of Acts, chapter number two, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number one. It says, and the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all in one accord. Now, that's not a Honda. They were in one purpose and one desire, and they were in one place. You know, it's so good when the body of Christ is able to come together in one place with one purpose, with one desire. When we do that, right through through all of this pandemic, all of the church of Jesus Christ around the world has come together and we're praying and believing, amen, for healing and for restoration and for this thing to end. And I'm telling you, when we come together, there is power. Verse number two. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like, like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, the next few verses tells us that there were people there from all other countries and nations and tongues. And they had all come together for this feast, this festival of Pentecost. And then in verse 12, we pick up. It says, they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying to one another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine, they're drunk. But Peter, standing up with eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose. See, it is just the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids will I pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what Shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and unto your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words he did testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves. From this untoward generation. Then they gladly received his words. And were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines. And in fellowship. And in breaking bread. And in prayer. Can I get an amen? 
The day of Pentecost was one of the most important days of history. It was the birthing of the church. I'm telling you, God, in His infinite wisdom and power and sovereignty, knows how to work. He said, I can take these 12 men who have followed me and learned of me and I can send them out to share the gospel of what they've seen and heard and it's going to take them a long time. Or I can just draw people from every nation, every tongue and every creed. I can draw the world to one place and in one moment, in one instance, I can birth not just a movement, amen, not just something that will radically change that day and time, but something that will change the future of every generation. And that day, the church of Jesus Christ was birthed. And they were filled. And they were saved. And they all went back to their homes, to their places. And they began to teach and preach. And the church all over the world. Then we had the disciples beginning to go around to those places and visit and share the gospel and start more churches. But this day, the day of Pentecost. But see, it was already an important day. It was already a day. You see, he had to, there had to be a reason for people to come together. This was ordained from the very beginning. You see, God doesn't do anything by accident. He says He knows your beginning from your end. And your whole life, God knows what's going on. You think it just happened. You think you just met your spouse by accident. You just think you had those children or this. And listen, God has ordained your life. And God is setting into motion, amen, things that will not just change you, but generations to come. God had a purpose for the very creation of life and the very purpose of of His death and His burial and His resurrection, amen, was so the world could have a Pentecost. What? You see, from Adam and Eve, we see that we're all sinners, inherently wicked. I mean, the, the, the sin, because sin came into the world through Adam, the Bible says we're all born and shaped and formed in iniquity. So for the first 2,500 years of man's existence, God spoke to man through his conscience, audibly. But for those 2,500 years, it didn't make a lot of difference because wickedness grew. And men's hearts became wicked and all the trouble came. And it it didn't, the last 500 years of those 2,500 years, God chose a man named Abraham, a righteous man who loved God. Eventually, he had a grandson named, or son named Isaac, a grandson named Jacob. And one night in a confrontation, Jacob wrestled with God and God touched him. God had already declared to Abraham, you're going to have descendants and you're going to become a nation. That nation was born the next 400 years. 300 and some of those they spent in slavery in Egypt. 
But then finally God raised up a man named Moses. Moses was drawn out of the waters. He was born an Israelite. But because the Pharaoh was killing all the children, his mother put him in a basket. You see, you weren't the first basket case. Moses was put in a basket and put in the river. And the Pharaoh's daughter drew him out. His Moses means drawn out. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. Taught the ways of the Pharaoh. But one day, when he saw Amon them fighting, something rose up on the inside. Because listen, you can't get away from who you are. His mama, Amen, had taught before she put him in the basket. She had taught him every day, you're special. Amen, you're a child of God. Amen, you're different. And you know what? He something rose up on the inside of him. He killed that man and hit him. In the sand. And then he saw two Israelites fighting. And they said, hey, what are you going to do? Kill us too like you did the other guy? Well, he knew the secret was out. And he ran for his life. On the backside of a desert. Many years later. Out of a burning bush, God speaks to Moses and God says, go back to Egypt. Go before Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Moses goes to, back to Egypt and nine plagues later, plague after plague after plague, water turned to blood, insect, cattle dying, bulls, darkness. And finally, God says, here's what we're going to do. This is when Passover, we just celebrated Passover 50 days ago. They said, here's what we're going to do. We are going, I want every Israelite to take a lamb. And you're going to kill it. You're going to take the blood and you're going to put it on the sides of your door and above. You're going to take and you're going to roast the meat. And you're going to eat it in your house tonight. You're going to have your shoes on your feet. You're going to be dressed. You're going to have your staff in your hand. You're going to be ready. Because tonight the death angel is going to pass over. And when he does, the firstborn of every household is going to die. But when I see the blood, I'll pass over. That night, from the Pharaoh's house down, the firstborn died. And there was weeping and wailing and sorrow throughout all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said, I can't take any more. And he told them, get out and get out now. And all the people were ready. And they didn't just leave empty handed. It says they gave them all their gold and their silver and their precious stone. They said, take everything we have. Get out of here. And they began to make their way out of Egypt. Out of slavery. Out of bondage. And they began to go toward a land that God said. I'm going to give you. It's flowing with milk and honey. You're going to go to a promised land. But the first thing they came to was the Red Sea. Listen, you're not going to get where you're going. You're not going to reach your destiny without some trials and tribulations. You're not going to reach your promised land without coming to some Red Seas. And now the sea is before them, mountains on each side of them, and the enemies behind them. 
But God miraculously opened up the Red Sea and all the children of Israel passed over on dry land. And then the Egyptian armies, they came in to follow them. And when they got out in the middle, the waters returned and covered them. And the Bible declared unto Moses, this enemy that you see today, you'll no longer see anymore. I'm telling you, God is about to destroy your enemies because of the Spirit of God. Then the Bible declares in Leviticus that they go 50 days into the wilderness. They come to a place called Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where Moses goes to the top of the mountain. And there, 50 days after. 50 means it's penta. It means 50. 50 days after Passover, God gives His law. God speaks to Moses and writes his law upon the stones and he gives him the commandments. God has been speaking through conscience and through people and through audible voices. But now the people of God have a written word to go by. At this moment, after Passover, the blood has been shed. The word is written on stones. And we have the first Pentecost. Now we have a law to lead, to guide, to govern, to direct people. So for the next 1500 years, the law will be the most important thing to the people of Israel. To the Jew, they steal. I mean, they have the law written on them and tied around their head. They keep the word closed. They get there and they move and they quote the scriptures. But you know what? There's death in the Strictness and the death of the law. But the Bible said where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Because you see, the law was perfect. And we're not. The law was never been able to be kept perfectly. It was to show man that they were imperfect and they needed a savior. So along with the law came The answer. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. But God said, but I know you're going to do it. So, when you sin, here's what you do. You take an animal. You kill that animal. You come and you offer it to the priest. He takes that blood and he puts it on the altar. And your sins are forgiven. Once a year, the high priest would go into the holies of holies and take that blood and put it on the altar. And the sins of the people were forgiven for another year. But they had to do it over and over and over and over. And it got monotonous and people got tired of it. And it became routine. And they did, their heart wasn't in it. But they had a written word. And they had the solution to when they broke the law. But for that 1500 years, they, that word was their guidance. It was their direction. It was their conscience. It's what they lived by. It's what separated them from all the other nations of the world. We're a people who has standards and we obey these guidelines that God gave us. Everything was built on the law. It was a relationship, it was a foundation that their relationship was built on. 
Nothing was more important than the law. Nothing took precedence over the law. They read it daily. They taught their children. It's what connected them to Almighty God. So, why am I telling you all this story? Because you need to understand the beginnings of Pentecost, the foundation, to understand the purpose of it today. You have to understand the origin, the meaning. See, Pentecost has nothing to do with the kind of music you play. It doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with the sign out on your church. You're not Pentecostal because you have a sign that says Pentecostal. Listen, Pentecost is not a denomination. It's not a feeling. It's not a song. It's not a, a, it's not the way you look on the outside. Pentecost, amen, was God's idea. Amen. It was started at Passover. Blood was shed. Fifty days later, God's word was given. And the feast of Pentecost was established. And God said, every year, you're going to honor it. You see? From the moment Adam and Eve sinned, God had it planned. God said, I'm going to see when man was separated from God. God said, I got to find a way to buy them back. The devil stole them. But God said, I'm going to buy them back. I, they were mine. I, I created them. But I'm going to buy them back. And how I'm going to buy them back is that I'm going to send my son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God decided that from the beginning. And God said that Jesus is going to die. But He's not going to stay in the ground. Can I get an amen? He said, I'm going to give Him a promise. The promise of the Spirit of God was given. Jesus said, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Or as prophesied in Old Testament. On your sons and daughters, your old men and your young men. You'll dream dreams and see vision. He said, I'll give you a new heart. Anybody need a new heart? You got an old stony heart? Old mean heart? Old ugly heart? I'm telling you, the Spirit of God will give you a new heart. He said, I'll put my Spirit within you. I'll cause you to walk in my statues and keep my judgment and do them. He called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. If we need anything in this day and age, we need truth. There's a lot of lies out there. But the Holy Spirit will lead you into the truth. The Holy Spirit said, He said, when He comes, He just won't be on you. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God always moved on people. And they were anointed. And they fought battles. And they done miraculous things that wasn't humanly possible. The Spirit would move on them. And then it would lift off of them. But Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to be in you. He'll abide in you. He'll be your comforter. Does anybody need comforting today? You're hurting. You're tired. You're weary. Oh, come on. You need the Holy Spirit to indwell you and comfort your heart and your mind. John chapter 7. He said in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, 
which they had believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. But that but because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus promised his believers. They would receive the Holy Spirit. It's the promise of the Father. Jesus promised them there. And there they go. We've hit it in Acts chapter 2. They all were gathered together in one mind, in one accord. And the Holy Spirit descended. Fifty days after Christ's crucifixion. The greatest phenomenon the world has ever experienced. It was the law that God had given Moses. Wrapped in grace and mercy. What the law couldn't do, Jesus did. John said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The blood of the Old Testament animals could just cover it for a little while. But Jesus' blood takes away sin forever. It washes and cleanses and purges It makes us whole. It makes us righteous. Jesus' blood. He came and He died. And then He rose again. And then He showed Himself to His believers. To His followers for 40 days. He preached to them. He showed Himself to them. He did signs and wonders. And then the Bible says they were there. And Jesus began to declare unto them. Go ye into all of the world. And preach the gospel. Declaring unto them the way of salvation. Laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. Speaking with a new tongue. Taking up any deadly thing and it will not harm you. Jesus declared to them, now go and tarry. Go and wait for the promise of Of the Father. They didn't know what that meant. They didn't know what Pentecost was all about. They knew they were there to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, to celebrate when they came out of Egypt, to remember, to give the wave offering, and to thank God. And so people gathered from all over the country, every language, every tongue, every nationality, every gender, and they were there in Jerusalem. Jesus told his disciples, go and wait. Ten days later, after waiting, after praying, after being in one mind, being in one accord, fellowshipping, saying, what's it going to be like? I wonder what we're waiting on. I wonder what it's going to sound like. I wonder if we'll know when it comes. Uh, uh, Guys, do y'all remember everything Jesus told us? What all did he tell us about the Holy Spirit? Well, he said that when he comes, he'll lead us into all truth. And uh, uh, he said when he comes, he will empower us to be witnesses. And uh, Peter's like, I need that, guys. Because last time uh, they asked me if I was a believer, I cussed a little bit. The last time they asked me if I knew him, I denied him three times. Uh, You know what, folks? I need a little boldness. He told them, I need boldness. So you know what? I don't know what I'm waiting on. But when I get boldness, I'll know. Somebody else said, he said it would be our comforter. And man, I sure miss Jesus. 
Don't y'all remember when he used to walk with us and talk with us? Remember when he used to share the scripture? Remember when he would explain things and now he's gone? I sure miss him. I'm sad and I'm lonely. And he said, when the promise comes, I would be comforted. And I'm not comforted right now. So apparently he hadn't showed up. Ten days after seeking and praying and talking and fellowshipping. And when the day of Pentecost. You see, God has a set day for your deliverance. He has a set day that He is going to launch you into your next big thing. Can I get an amen? He has that appointed time. It's appointed to be born. It's appointed once to die. And it's appointed for your infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's appointed for you to be launched into your ministry. Launched into your destiny. Launched into what God is calling you to do. Can anybody here today say, I... Fulfilled everything I can fulfill in my life. Wouldn't you say there's still some more stuff we can do? And we can't do it alone. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost was not just an event that happened by coincidence. It didn't just happen by chance. It happened Because it was God ordained. And the wind began to blow. The wind needs to begin to blow across our nation again. The wind needs to blow in our life. The wind of health and healing and restoration and deliverance. The wind of the Holy Spirit needs to begin to blow upon you again. To take those dry places. Amen. The rain needs to come. The the sun needs to shine. And the wind needs to blow. Amen. You see, the Spirit of God fell that day. And that day the believer stood up. Filled with the Spirit. For the Bible says there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire, like split fire. And it sat upon each of them. And as it sat upon each of them, how many knows when you light a match and you put it to wood soaked in lighter fluid or... Don't put it in gasoline. It'll blow you up. How many knows what happens when you light a fuse on dynamite? It explodes. You see, every one of us... Have a, we got saved, we got a stick of dynamite on the inside of us. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And when you were born again, you got that dunamis, dynamite. In your body, in your spirit, in your soul. And we're just waiting on God to light that fuse. And when it happens, you're going to explode. And tongues of fire set up on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And as they begin to speak in other tongues, 
other languages. Each one praying in a different language. Unknown to them what they were saying. They were declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ in every one of the languages of the people that were there in Jerusalem. And the people heard them declaring the things of God in their own language. And they said, what does this mean? These guys are, they're Jews. Yet they're speaking our language and they're telling us about this Jesus. And some people mocked him and said, these guys are drunk. And Peter said, we're not drunk as you suppose. He didn't say they weren't drunk. They were just drunk on new wine. Woo! They were feeling it. They were intoxicated with the spirit and the life and the power of God. And they were declaring the word with boldness. Remember Peter? Man, I wish I had a little more boldness. Last time I denied him. And now Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, is the one that steps up and said, Brothers, we're not drunk as you suppose. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he preached the gospel. And 3,000 got saved that day. And the church of Jesus Christ was birthed in power, in fire. And the church of Jesus Christ needs another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Spirit today in 2020. This is the first Pentecost of this decade and we need an outpouring. If you don't think America needs an outpouring, you just turn on the television. There's fires of anger burning and there's fires, amen, of people, amen, who are just anarchists. But give me, can I tell you, everything the devil has is because he's trying to substitute For what God wants to do. And God wants to spread the fires of revival. Pastor Leah said it earlier. Sometimes we get angry. And the Bible says be angry and sin not. We're angry at the injustice. We're angry at prejudice. We're in a church of over 15 nations. There's no prejudice in the Lord's house. We're a house of prayer for all people. And we're angered by injustice. But we don't sin and go break the law. And if you know anything about what's going on, you know that most of those that are doing that are not even the people from that area. They don't care about what's happening. They are paid anarchists that are paid to go in and stir up and cause trouble. But there's hundreds and thousands of millions of people in America, Amy, who are coming together, every race, every tongue, every nation. We're coming together in love and in unity. And yes, we're declaring a change. And we want every man... Created equal and treated equal. Because we're all the children of God. But it's no accident that right here on Pentecost, when God wants to pour out His fire, that the enemy is trying to ignite His fire and bring division. Oh, but when the Holy Spirit falls, He brings unity. Pentecost changed the world. It's more, I said it earlier, than a name on your church. It's God's desire for this world. It's God's desire for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. He said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he said, it's for you. It's for your children. It's for your children's children. And for as many as called upon the name of the Lord. 
Because we're all born sinners. But Jesus said you must be born again. And then, he said, after you're born again, be endued with power from on high. Many people, they get saved, they're satisfied. They get baptized and they're satisfied. But I'm telling you, there's a walk in the Spirit. There's an anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. There is a work of Pentecost. And I'm telling you, there are Pentecostal believers in every single denomination. Millions of believers around this world that have been baptized in the Holy Ghost. And they speak in other tongues and they pray in the Spirit. And they do the works amen, that Jesus called them to do. And not a lot of them talk about it because it's not popular amen, in the world and in their denominations. Oh, but I'm telling you, around the world, when I traveled in Ecuador, we were in the mountains preaching about the Holy Spirit. And I had different people come to me and say, Hey, I, I, I don't know all about what you're talking about, but I, I was really hungry for more of the Lord. And I was praying and fasting. And I started talking in a different languages. Is that the Holy Ghost? You see, you don't have to be taught about it. Or know about it. Or been to seminary. All you've got to do is say Lord I want more of you. And just like his disciples. He said I'm going away. But I will send you another comforter. That will walk with you and talk with you. And indwell you. And comfort you and teach you. And empower you. And more than ever. Every believer needs the Holy Spirit working in their life today. Can I get a big amen? Don't be just satisfied with status quo. You can literally, amen, have the life. You have the life of God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That's a powerful spirit, isn't it? To raise Jesus from the dead. But it dwells in you. Think about it. Do you want it? You can have life in God. It's not just an organization or a name or a feeling or a song or a dance. Or it's not, No, no, no. It, it's relationship. It's a gift and it's for you. And you can walk in it. You can experience it. It's a life-changing experience. A soul-saving experience. An empowering experience. It's more. It's more. It's intimate relationship. It's renewing of the mind, it's deliverance, it's joy unspeakable, it's miracles, it's blessing, it's passion, it's life, it's purpose, it's meaning. When you don't know what to do, the Spirit will lead you to it. When you don't know what to say, the Spirit will lead you what to say. When you don't know how to pray, the Spirit itself will make intercession through you. The Spirit of God. We need the Spirit of God. We need the fruits of the Spirit. We need the gifts of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, we find the fruits of the Spirit. This fruit of the Spirit is love. How many would say we need more love in the world? Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. Against such... There is no law. There's no law in the Word of God and there's no law on the books of man 
that says you can only have so much love. You're not going to get arrested for having too much love. But you can get arrested for not having enough. Because when you don't love your brother, you kill him. And you steal from him. You break God's law. But against these fruits, we need more peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. What is temperance? Self-control. Does anybody think we need the, in the world we need more self-control? We need more temperance. My dad used to say uh, about fasting. Son, why is it that we can fast for long periods of time, not eat anything, but when we sit down at a Mexican restaurant, we can't stop eating chips? Huh? Yeah. Y'all in the same boat with me, aren't you? Because we don't have temperance. We don't have self-control. We just eat and eat and eat. And then our food gets there and we're not even hungry. We need self-control in this, in this lit city. In this world. In this church. And then there's the gifts of the Spirit. Listen, everybody wants the fruits of the Spirit. But do you also want the gifts of the Spirit? Here's the gifts. Words of wisdom. Words of knowledge. Gift of faith. Gift of healing. Working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits. That's little s. Listen, in this world, if we ever needed the gift of discerning spirits to know what kind of spirit people are of, if it's a good spirit, a bad spirit, a, you know, it's today. The gift of different kinds of tongues. It's amazing to me, in this world... So many Christians, so many believers, they, they, they want... And did you know the gifts of the Spirit are the only thing God said to covet? You know, there's a commandment. Thou shalt not covet. That's having a strong desire, a lust for something. But for the gifts, he said covet the gifts. Have a strong desire for the gifts. Seek the gifts with all you have. But it's amazing. A lot of people, they seek wisdom and knowledge and, and they want to, you know, do healings. And, but not a lot of people are seeking tongues anymore. But I'm telling you, it's a real experience. Seek, 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 and you shall find. Knock and you shall be, it shall be open to you. Tongues did not pass away. Millions of believers have been baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And God's no respecter of person. Many of you in this room have been baptized and pray in the Holy Spirit. God doesn't love them any more than He does you. It's a gift. Seek that gift. Pray and say, Holy Spirit. You know, my, my dad, he, he knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. He was raised, saved in the Baptist church. And uh, he met my mom. And uh, she went to a uh, Pentecostal church. And uh, he never seen anything like that. And it freaked him out. But they got married and mama would go home and she would pray and say, Lord, please reveal the Holy Spirit to daddy. Daddy would go home and read his Bible and say, Lord, something made those people act that way. They're jumping and shouting and speaking in tongues. And uh, guess what? He was praying and reading the word. Luke, don't worry about it. Just leave it off. I'm closing. And uh, I would tell you something. This is the second time it went off. You know why? You know, isn't it funny how things, technology don't want to work when you're talking about something that the world needs the most? Yeah, uh, he was praying at the altar. There was a revival. He said he don't even remember what the man preached on, but he ran down to that altar 
And as he was crying out to God, he said it felt like a bucket of hot oil was poured over his head. And it began to rise up, rise up, rise up. And when it got to the top, he just began to pray in another language. He was baptized in the Holy Ghost and got the gift of tongues. But then, the gift of prophecy kicked in. And he began to prophesy to himself. He said, I heard myself saying, you're going to leave your job. He just got a job at the Cotton Belt. He graduated from business school, got a job at Cotton Belt Railroad. Good job, making good money. But kneeling at that altar, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost began to speak out of him and say, you're going to leave your job and you're going to go into the ministry and preach the gospel. And he said he heard himself saying that. And he was saying, is that me? What? And he went home and told mama. And she said, we need to talk to the preacher. Guess what? He left his job. They went to Bible school. They traveled this nation preaching the gospel. And then over 50 years ago, they came and settled in Tyler. They built a little church, a storefront, then another one, and then another building. And then started building this building. And today, we're sitting worshiping in a house that was birthed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. They were given the gift of different kinds of tongues and then the gift of interpretation of tongues. We've seen that happen. One of, one, one of the, uh, I think, the time in my mind as a child... We were having service and in the middle of worship, someone stood and gave a message in tongues. So see, there's different kinds. There, there's, there's personal tongues. When you're praying all alone, just you and God, and you're praying in the Holy Spirit, when He's giving you that gift. But then there's a gift of tongues that's for the edification of the church. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will move upon a believer by the Holy Spirit and they'll give a message in tongues. In that case, the Bible says there needs to be an interpretation of that tongue. And the Lord gives people the gift of that interpretation. So, here's a little lady. She stood up. She had never been out of East Texas. But she'd been fulfilled with the Holy Ghost. And she began to speak in other tongues. She sat down. A moment passed. The Holy Spirit spoke to another person, gave her the interpretation. And they stood, they gave the interpretation of that tongue. And it was declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. A lady that was visiting came running down the aisle and fell in the altar, began to pray. One of the family members of that person came with her and said, this is my family member. She is from some little island. She speaks this language. She doesn't speak English, but... She wants to know how that lady learned her language because she understood everything she said and she declared the gospel and she wants to give her heart to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit did on the day of Pentecost and He's still doing it today and He'll do it in you and through you. Seek the gifts. Covet the gifts. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and indwell you and lead you and guide you and comfort you. You are not alone. 
You have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit indwelling you to lead and guide and direct you. Now, begin to ask Him to give you those fruits and to give you those gifts. And the Bible says, if any man come to God and ask, he'll give to all men liberally. He's not a stingy God. He didn't send the Holy Spirit just to hold him back from you. Come on. Why in the world would you be picking with a little pickaxe at a big mountain when you've got a carton of dynamite right there? You've got the Holy Spirit. Stop trying to live your life and overcome habits and addictions. And stop living according to the flesh. And trying to do all these things in your own power. When God has given you the Holy Spirit to help do that for you. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap today.